This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey there, thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich, and this is normally where I tell you it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week, but I just want to tell you, I really do enjoy doing this podcast, and it is a true delight to do this every single week, and thank you for listening, because if you stopped listening, I think I would lose a lot of my motivation, but I'm really having fun doing that, so just a genuine thank you from me to you. Special thank you as well to new FOA member Miriam Hoffman for joining our new membership community over at patreon.com forward slash agriculture. Well, farmers, generally speaking, at least are, are an independent group. They're resourceful. They like to tinker with new ideas. They're problem solvers. Basically, they're, they're the original hackers and not in the internet security sense of the word, but more in the life hack sense of the word, meaning they know how to adapt what they have to what they need. They know how to make things work on their farms. We're starting to see issues arise with this and things like right to repair, which refers to the ability for farmers to repair their own equipment, even when that equipment includes proprietary software. But when it comes to a farmer's ability to hack their own solutions, in my opinion, at least technology should be no different. Sure, you know, maybe coding skills might be different than welding skills, but it's certainly not far-fetched to think that farmers can program their own tech solutions to whatever problems they're experiencing on their farms. I know it's not far-fetched because it's happening right now, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to share episodes like the one we have here today. We have on the show Mike Stenta. Mike lives in Connecticut and started to learn programming in the 1990s when he was just 13 years old by building websites. One of the ways he learned was by getting to examine the code of other websites he would visit. It used to be really easy to do so. And that's also how he started to develop an affinity for open source software. We've talked about open source on the show before in other episodes, but it's probably helpful just to define it here a little bit. In software, open source means that the code behind the product is available for anyone to get a copy of, review it, and ultimately build on, modify, and use it as they see fit. It can still have a restrictive license. It's not a complete free-for-all, but the important point here is that it's the community that freely contributes to the creation and modification of the software, which is often referred to as the project. If that confuses you, bear with me. The episode is going to show you exactly what this looks like in practice in a way that even a non-technical person like myself understands. Mike Stenta, though, started the project Farm OS, so OS for operating system, Farm OS, which is an open source farm management software. Anyone can start using Farm OS for free. Mike makes his money through hosting the software for you or by offering support through his company Farmier, which is F-A-R-M-I-E-R. I'm really excited to get into this, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself and get into it too much here. I'm going to let Mike do that. Mike starts off by talking about when his love for development met his love for agriculture. I got kind of introduced to farming after college myself. When I when I was growing up, my dad always had a huge garden. He was he was a master gardener. He really, I think, you know, imbued in me the values of of cultivation and of growing things and 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 thinking in those in those ways, but it wasn't until after college that I I found myself 
on the West Coast, and I, I worked on a farm for a season. It was a diversified vegetable operation, organic produce. So it was it was really where I I had a firsthand experience in the complexity of it all and the problem solving, and just developed an appreciation for how much goes into it and how how many challenges are faced on just a day-to-day basis. And every day, you're just solving one problem after another in different ways. And that's very similar to software development too. So, you know, I think like my, my grandparents were always really into like math puzzles and, and things like that. And so I think that that's, you know, maybe what drew me into programming too, because it's a lot of the same kind of like you get hooked on a problem and you have to figure it out. So I found that very, I found the process of, of working on a farm and, and dealing with things every day satisfying in that way, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Frustrating too, but but satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can can be both. What yep. so w- when was it then that you you first started wondering like, oh, I wonder if, you know, I could make some software that might be helpful for the farm. You know, kind of marrying the two interests in in computer programming and and farming. So I I had been developing and working on websites the whole time through college and and after. And when I when I started working with this farm, it was a small family-owned farm and they had a really old website at the time. So I was like, hey, I'll I'll make an I'll make a new website for you. We can, you know, put some things on it and, you know, maybe use it to to sell things, things like that. So that kind of I think got me started thinking about it in terms of in terms of a website and in terms of like customer facing ideas and and how to how to better market these small market gar- market farms that are, you know, serving farmers markets and wholesale and things like that. Where that where that kind of customer first customer contact is really is really critical to the business because hmm. it's more of a it's more of you're really dealing directly with the consumers so that that was kind of it so it all kind of bled together really really smoothly after that season i then went back to the east coast and worked on a farm in in maine another diversified vegetable farm and on that one uh i so that was snake root farm in pittsfield maine and i worked under tom roberts who who's a, an original back to the land farmer who was also very interested in websites. So he and I talked a lot about ideas for development. We also, we were throwing around this idea for like a version of creating kind of like a version of Wikipedia, but for crops so that you could mm-hmm. edit and, and, you know, collaborate on how, how to grow different things or different techniques and that kind of thing. So that, you know, I think that kind of kept, kept my gears turning in that way. Then the following, the following year, I moved back down to Connecticut, which is where I, where I'm from. And my friend and I started a small community-supported agriculture business out of on his property in Connecticut, and that's when I really started putting thought into you know how can I make this a, a useful tool. So I developed some some features for managing our our CSA, our uh, including like our member list, where our pickups were going to be, a newsletter, things like that. Still very customer focused. So you know yeah. what how can we make this work for you know for us as a business and to interact with our customers because that's really what csa model is about so then shortly shortly after that my now wife girlfriend at the time got accepted into university in in philadelphia so we moved down to philadelphia and i i you know became a city dweller for a couple of years which was it was it was a certainly a learning experience in a lot of ways i i'm much more comfortable in the country myself <laughs> 
but it it kind of forced me to focus a lot of my ideas. So I I started building out more of these CSA features and trying to trying to think of like who could who could benefit from it and working with a couple of small farms. But as I was going along, you know, there was a lot of other CSA systems out there already, and the CSA model in general was really evolving rapidly at that time. So nailing it down with software was was difficult, and I think a lot of there's still there's still a lot of changes going on in that in that realm. Now at the same time, I kind of got I, I started building out some features for record keeping in in the same system. So not the customer facing side, but the but the production records. So what happens behind the scenes on the farm itself. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got hooked on that. So that's ultimately what evolved into Farm OS was this this idea of how can we kind of capture the all of the things that go on on a farm of any kind and any scale and any type. How can we kind of boil that down to to the basic records uh, and and mental model of of an operation? And for those that maybe aren't, you know, anyone who who's farmed, I think, is going to say, yeah, that that that's needed. You need some place to put all these records because, you, you know, they can they can go everywhere and you need to keep them organized. But for someone maybe not from a farming background, why is that important? Well, there's a lot of reasons for for your own use. It's so useful to be able to say, you know, when did I seed this or what what inputs did I add to this to this field last year? Or, you know, did I add compost two years ago or was it three years ago was it last year not to mention things like keeping track of your soil tests or even just the location of of equipment and and animals as they move through different paddocks and things like that so having that kind of historical record is is really really useful to look back on when you're trying to make decisions in the moment but then you know beyond that there's also a lot of regulatory requirements that that require you to be taking certain types of records Organic certification is one, and newer a newer one is the Food Safety and Modernization Act, the Produce Safety Rule, and and some other rules in there require you to keep track of what inputs you've put on and and other you know processes that have taken place on your farm to make sure that you're you're following those regulations. Sure. Well, take us back to that 2014 then when you co- you coined the the name Farm OS. That that seems to be to me where your story kind of diverges from from a lot of others that that we've had on the show and that you read about elsewhere where you decide to kind of keep it open source versus, you know, others might say, "Look, I know how to build the product. I know there's a need. I validated it firsthand. Let me go raise a bunch of money, you know, recruit a bunch of people and scale this thing to a unicorn." And you chose, you know, you kind of chose not to do that. And help me walk me through that decision. Sure. Yeah. So Drupal is is the the framework that FarmOS is built upon. I've been a Drupal developer for for a long time. So you know, even before FarmOS, and Drupal is a is I think one of the one of the better examples of an open source community and how that can work. So with Drupal, you have this this kind of core for building a for building a web application, but then you have this huge selection of contributed modules that other people are maintaining and and you can just plug them into to kind of almost like a lego build out the features that you need on your system and that idea was was really awesome i thought that you that the work involved in in building the software which is very complicated there's a lot going on in in any kind of software system can be distributed in that way and can be kind of supported by each other. So if someone downloads a module and finds a bug with it, they can fix that bug because they've got the code and they're running it. 
and then they can contribute that fix back to the to the project so that it can be it can be included in the in the official release so working in that world for a long time i think just you know it, from my perspective was like of course this is the this is like the best way to develop software i think my my thinking at the time was this this can be done in a way that allows for other people to use it for free but I can still develop a, a small business around it myself that provides services alongside of it. And there's a number of there's a number of open source companies that have been very successful with this model too. So I've been kind of Drupal included. So I've been kind of following in their footsteps in a lot of ways, and but also learning learning a lot along the way. If you wanted to, and maybe you do, I don't know. But theoretically, you know, could a company like FarmOS go raise money and stay true to the open source ethos, or are they at some point at odds? That's a great question. Well, so first of all, let me let me be clear. FarmOS itself is not a company. FarmOS actually doesn't have a, an official organization around it at all. It's really just the project itself. So I also mm. have my, my own company, which is just an LLC called Farmier. And that's what I use to provide services. So that's kind of, you know, me and the people that work with me provide services around FarmOS. But yeah, so like Farmier could raise money to do to get to bring in develop more developers and really accelerate that process and then it's really just a, a matter of you know making the pitch to investors that that this can be a, a profitable business you know or, or can be a, a a real growth business but you know i think there is there is a difference in that in that with open source you you're you're not necessarily looking for that billion dollar valuation you know that's that's not really the first priority i think i think it and i have to speak for myself i guess but my first my first priority really is to is to create a system that that i think can benefit i mean you know not to be corny but to benefit humanity in in that it's it's giving us the my hope is that you know with if if enough adoption occurs around farm os it can be used as a tool to really get a sense of 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 what works and what doesn't work in agriculture which is the basis of all of the human economy. You know, it's it's our food. Yeah. So for, for my business, AgGrad, we use WordPress. So we pay WordPress to host it, but but the software is free. Like we could just, you know, host it somewhere else. Is Are, are you the same way? Is FarmOS the, the software and Farmier, it, you know, I pay Farmier if I want Farmier to host it, but I could also just, you know, take the software and run with it if I wanted? That's exactly right. Yeah. So, and I tried to, you know, some some projects and companies use the same name, like WordPress. There's WordPress.org and WordPress.com. One is a company and one is the project. I decided I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, keep them separate with the with the hope that maybe you know more of an ecosystem could develop around it, so that others can compete with me. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly right. So FarmOS is the project. You can download the code. You can run it yourself. But it's a web application, so it, it needs to run on a web server. It needs to be updated. It needs to be backed up. Those are the kinds of things that not everyone is comfortable doing on their own. So that's a service I can provide. And that's one that I do provide is, is hosting of, of FarmOS, of your FarmOS database. So Farmier provides hosting, but I also, the bigger majority of what, we, of what I do is, is development for people. So I work as a contract developer and I, um, you know, make, I partner with other organizations who want to add new features to the system or new modules they sponsor that. I work on it, and as well as other people on my team. 
And then those features get contributed to the open source code base. So it's it's a win-win for everyone, I think, because I get to keep working on what I love. The companies get the features, uh, the companies, organizations, researchers, farmers get the features that they need and that, that will help benefit their, you know, their business and their process. And and it's out there for anyone else to use too for free. And they and they can kind of be considered sponsors of that of that project. So it becomes a very like collaborative process. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it similarly, you know, like for me, my, my thought process when I started this podcast, of course, today it's a little bit different. But when I started this podcast was, hey, I'm going to put all this information out there for free. The content, that's the product. Anyone can do whatever they want with it. I really don't care. I'm not trying to make money with it, but I'm hoping this leads to like recruiting business and like, you know, consulting opportunities and that sort of thing. It's kind of the same way. Like you, you build this, you, you create this thing. Of course, yours takes a lot more you know, talent than mine does, but you create this thing, you put it out there and people can add on to it and, and help you build it, but it's free and, and open. And then you kind of have this other business model in farm year where you, where you, you know, you operate your business, pay yourself, grow your company. That's right. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, in some ways it's sort of related to that a rising tide raises all boats idea is like, if we can create something that other people can build businesses around too, it's better for everyone, you know? So that, that's like, I, I think the, it creates it creates a an, an ecosystem for for people to provide services around this around this system, and that's really been a, a big, you know, I, I I joke with people sometimes that I'm I'm you know running a startup but also running a nonprofit, even though it's not officially a nonprofit, but you know managing the the community building aspect of of an open source project is a lot of work too, and mm. and that's that's been a learning experience for me as well. You know, because you get a lot of you get a lot of emails and a lot of people interested in it who want to talk about it. And I'm not going to be making money on on most of those people, but I want them to be excited about the project and I want the project to to grow organically. So that's that's a very necessary step is to think about this not as just not as just something that I'm making myself and then like you know pulling the cover over off of it so that you can see how it works it's about like working publicly from the from the beginning like how do you how do you develop features transparently and how do you how do you open up discussions about whether or not and how those features should work i've really tried to make that a priority from the get go so that all everything everything that happens in the development of farmos and and the you know other software around it is is kind of inclusive in that way, and that others can can jump in and and really feel like they're they're part of it. Can you give an example of when you got one of those random emails or someone reach out to you and be like, "Hey, what about this with Farm OS?" That led in a really productive direction, either for either for your farm or business or for the product itself. Oh yeah, I mean all the time. Like, and I should say, uh, if if anyone's listening and is interested, we we set up a forum just a couple months ago. It's at farmos.discourse.group. And actually, Discourse is another open source forum software. Shout out to them. They're actually providing hosting for us for that. But yeah, l- lately, the forum has has been taking off with, with people coming in and asking questions and you know, proposing ideas and reporting bugs and, and, and developing workflows. So thinking through the best way to, to keep track of certain types of records, which is exciting because there's a lot of ways to farm, you know, and, mm. and so having the ability to... to uh, you know, we've tried to make FarmOS as flexible as possible so that it can be used for for any operation. So that that also means that you kind of have to think through how you're going to use it, and and talking with others helps in that process. 
too. But one, I mean, one that one example that I can think of is uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago now, a a guy reached out to me who had worked on another open source software for grazing, for managing the rotations of animals through paddocks and monitoring the the forage quality and things like that. And and so he had he had worked on this, and we 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 worked with this organization called the Globetrotter Foundation to essentially port that into FarmOS. So it became it, it went from this kind of standalone JavaScripts and PHP application that he had built, which did a lot of things, uh, but he was kind of hitting limitations with it. And a lot of those limitations were things that FarmOS kind of already was able to do. So we took that software and we adapted it to, to be a module in FarmOS, which then became the grazing module. And so that's a module you can, you can download and install separately. So it doesn't come with FarmOS, but you can, you can download it and install it which then, yeah, helps you plan out your, your livestock rotation through paddocks. That's cool. So uh, get, getting back to something you said earlier about competition and about, you know, how, how it's open. If, if, I, if I found that and I said, oh, wow, farm OS and I throw in this grazing, grazing module, this really creates a, a great farm management software for ranching. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to call it Ranch OS and it's at ranchos.com. And for, you know, $500 a year, you can, you can, you know, use ranch os you just have to pay me and don't use farm os you know is that something you worry about so no not really and that can definitely happen and and that's that's a that's a possibility but i don't think it's i don't think it would be a very feasible way to go about it because you're essentially forking off of of the the momentum and the community that that we're building at farm os and and kind of then you're on your own. You know, if if bugs are fixed, you can pull them over, but you're you're kind of you're kind of on your own. So there's really a huge benefit to working together, I think. And you lose that if you if you kind of go off on your on your own with it. But that's not to say, I mean like someone could definitely do that and charge a lot, but you know what the what that price might go towards more is the support and the the you know working with the people to use it. So there's different costs in in software I, I would say there's there's the cost of the development, which takes time. But once it's done, it's done, and it's kind of part of that that software. There's the cost of the maintenance, where you know as updates are required and bugs are found and things like that. But you know I think the the other costs are, and those those are kind of contained costs. I'd say the the other costs are are in helping people and helping people to to use the software and get up up on it. And that I think is is almost unlimited in that like I want other people to become FarmOS experts and to provide that expertise to to people because I can't do that on my own. I'm already <laughs> I'm already spread pretty thin just answering questions on the forum and 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 that kind of thing. So I really think it's a benefit for everyone to to collaborate on this and to and to and to work together. Yeah. So that's that's my belief anyways. Yeah. Very interesting. Tell us about the FarmOS community. Obviously, it's probably a you know it's a, it's a, probably a diverse group. But if you were to kind of summarize them from a high level, you know what? How would you describe that community? Yeah, well, so there's there's a lot of aspects to it. There's there's the folks who are who are just using FarmOS, and that that really runs the gamut. So there's you know there's some large row crop grain operations in the Midwest. There's a lot of small diversified farms. There's a lot of livestock and grazing operations and ranches. 
And then there's there's a whole international community too. Uh, there's a number of farms in in New Zealand and Australia are using it, and in Europe and and a couple of other places. We've you know I've tried to make it so that it's it really can be used in 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 globally. Yeah. So you can you know you can change the the unit of measurement to metric if if you're not measuring acres, you can do hectares. So that's kind of the the, the user base uh, is pretty diverse. And then there's a whole bunch of developers or, you know, kind of farmer farmer developers who come out of the woodwork, usually in the wintertime when they're not farming and are excited to, to take part in, in little, you know, little feature development and things. And I've been really just so happy to see that a lot of a lot of farmers know web development or, or experiment with it at the very least. And that was just such a pleasant surprise to me. And, and it makes sense, I think, because it's it, like I said in the beginning, it's a very similar process of problem solving. And I think it takes a certain kind of mind who's interested in these kind of technical problems that like, oh, how can I hack this together? Or how can I make this work? You know, how, how can I fix this? How can I adapt it to, to work like I want? I think I think farmers are the original hackers. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they've been doing it when it comes to, you know, equipment and machinery and, you know, uh, their their own infrastructure forever. And and now we just have these new tools that they can approach the same way. And it really does seem to fit very closely with this open source kind of ethos. Yeah. And I think open source is just an extension of that. It's not something new. Like this has been happening since the beginning, you know, and if you look back, even even, you know, we've been sharing ideas forever it's it's really the i think the foundation of of civilization it's only really in the past i mean patents and and copyright weren't a thing until the 50s you know th- those laws are 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 kind of new in our in our in our system so so i think it's important to to keep scope on 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 where this is coming from that it's not really a new development it's been it's been here all along Okay. And if I'm not a developer, which I'm not, but but let's say I were let's say I were a farmer and not a developer and I was interested in this and wanted to see if it might work for my farm. You, you know, other other companies have these whole big teams to, you know, onboard me over several hours and, you know, that sort of thing. Do I just kind of consult the community for that and how do I figure out kind of which modules I need to get and, you know, just kind of get onboarded? Yeah, so right now, I mean, it is it is a, a more of a DIY approach to things right now like yeah we don't have a <laughs> we don't have a sales team <laughs> and and like i said before i would love to see more services pop up with ag consultants providing those kind of services mm. because i think there's a there's a big potential for that uh, but yeah like so we've got we've got a user guide on farmos.org we've got the the forum like i mentioned we've got the uh, github issue queues which is where you can go to submit feature requests and things like that i've been publishing videos as i can and yeah, you can you can sign up for a trial on farmier.com to try it out and see how you like it. Or you can set it up yourself and just and just poke around and, and play around. So cool. Well, I, I as I've just recently just kind of I don't know why my eyes just all of a sudden got open to this, but but for whatever reason I I've started digging around. And there's some some super interesting groups that I know you're very active in and kind of take a leadership role a lot. You know, one of them being is it is it farm farm hacks or farmhacker.net? Farm yeah, farmhack.net is is a great one. That's that's been around for a while and it it was originally started for mostly hardware. There's there's some software on it, but it's the it's a place where you can go if you've invented something or if you've kind of created a, a simple a simple hack as they're called, you know, 
a tool or a, or a strategy or something, and you want to share it with others, and, and they can see it, they can comment on it, they can actually iterate on it. So, you know, some examples are like new types of three-point hitches that people have, have welded together themselves, or things like FarmBot, which is a CNC planting thing for, for backyard gardens mainly, do-it-yourself do livestock scales and trough watering systems. These are, I mean, like, these are the things that people are, farmers are inventing everywhere, every day. It's not, <laughs> it's, but they're being shared now, you know, and they're, we're, that, that's a place where they can be shared and where they can be, um, you know, others can, can find and, and become part of that community. Yeah. The other one that's interesting is this GOAT community. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a relatively new one. This, so GOAT stands for the Gathering for Open Ag Tech or Open Agricultural Technology. This started about two years ago now. I, I guess we, we had our first conference in 2018, the spring of 2018, in Rhinebeck, New York, at the Omega Institute. So GOAT was started so that we could try to bring some of these groups together. Like we, you know, myself and, and Dorn Cox, who's from FarmHack and from Open Team, as well as Greg Austic from OurSci and uh, Dan Kittredge from Bionutrient Food Association, we we all had like networks of people who who are working on these kind of things, and we were like, you know, we need to bring we need to bring everyone together to 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 see what happens. And so we it was kind of an unconference style the first conference we had, which was which meant we we all got together and decided the first day how we wanted to do the conference and what it was going to look like and what was going to be involved. And it was great. It was I mean it was intense. I think everyone on the second day was like burnt out just from all of the thinking that happened in the first day. But it, it really created a, a momentum around this community and, and the idea of working together and exchanging ideas. So you can you can join that if you want at gotech.org, G-O-A-T-E-C-H.org. And we have a forum there as well, forum.gotech.org. And that's a great place to just introduce yourself to the community and, and, and take part. And we're actually in the process right now of planning the 2020 we're calling it the mega goat because there's also been some small goat hacks we've been calling them, which are just kind of more informal get togethers where we hack on different things. Hmm. But yeah, the, the mega goat is coming up in June of 2020 and we're going to do it at the same place again. Cool. Well, it, some of this stuff, you know, to, to the, the staunch capitalist sounds a little bit sort of utopian, you know, like, Hey, we're all just going to make this stuff opened up for everybody. Everybody's going to use it productively. And, you know, how do you keep out the trolls and the people who don't have anything to add only detract from the community and, and even worse, you know, people who, you know, try to kind of bring down others creations. How, how do you keep it positive? Because it seems like such a positive group. <laughs> no, that's a good question. And, you know, we've been lucky that like we, so far, the the PharmOS community has been extremely positive. We we really haven't had we really haven't had any um, any negativity. But I know that 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 does happen in some other open source communities, and not necessarily around like the model, but just you know it it attracts all different types of people, and and some some are better at <laughs> working with people than others, and that kind of thing. But you know, with regards to to the the, the model itself, and and the kind of you know utopian ideals, I guess, of it. There, a phrase has been has kind of come up recently that I really like, and it's this idea of kind of that open source is not at odds with with you know market, but that it can be used to kind of create a pre-competitive space. 
So by by kind of collaborating on on some base level stuff that we can all agree we need, then you you kind of create new ecosystems on top of that that allow for a lot of innovation and a lot of you know competition and 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 things on top of that. So I I think that this you know I have I have my own ideals and my own thoughts around a lot of these things, but I I I think this is not this is not exclusively this can be this can be approachable by all different types of people. I would say. Cool. Well, here, so here's a thought I have, and I want you to kind of tell me if I'm if I'm thinking around the right lines or not. It, it seems to me that a you know proprietary software that's venture backed has an incentive to really segment their market and say we're going to go after grain farmers that have at least two thousand acres in production and you know are are maybe more more progressive, like they want to grow. Let's say. And you've got to sort of push that direction because that that's what your strategy is and that's most profitable. Open source is kind of like, you know, here's something that is helpful and we're going to allow you to tell us how it fits your problem and help you kind of develop it towards your problem. So it's almost like a, a difference between a p- push-pull. Would, would you say that's accurate? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think the I think it's very accurate that with with a lot of the, the big software development companies, there's there is a very big push to to make money you know and so them making money usually is correlated with with you know providing benefit to their customers but not always and and so you know the a lot of a lot of companies will will make money will will create software that's free you know to give to people for free but they're actually they're actually making their money on the data that 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 the the users of that software are providing to them, and and that I think is a little problematic because it it's you, you start to break down that that alignment with with the the actual needs of the of the user. So with open source, you know, you're you're kind of developing a system that has that first and foremost as its goal is like I own this data, I I can control it, and you know it's not going to break, it's not going to go away, it's not going to disappear because this company went bankrupt. So I think that's really one of the big the big goals of PharmOS is to is to allow farmers to take back their data and to to own that, but also to be a platform that more specialized applications can connect to and exchange that information. So you know if you have a PharmOS database that you're running on your farm, imagine you you then also connect it to a a software platform that's that's specializes in in you know managing grain tickets or managing har- harvests for for row crop operations that that system they can work together they can you can that can provide value added value on top of just the database of of information that farmos is is managing and that's really beneficial too because i think at least in especially in like diversified vegetable operations that are that you know have organic certification and a lot of other things there's a lot of software out there and all of them kind of require you to enter the same information again and again and again like here draw your fields and what inputs did you use and the same is true for for bigger farms too so this idea of like if you can have a place where you enter it once Mm -hmm. and then use it in these other places it saves you so much time and and time (laughs) i mean you know my biggest challenge i think is is like making making it easy to use and making it quick. So it's not taking up a lot of farmers' times who who already are like don't have any time. Yeah. You know? So and that and that's a challenge. It's not an easy it's not an easy thing to solve. Data entry is 
is is a challenge. And I think that's true of, for all software. Right. No, I think you bring up such an interesting point about you know the the speed of technology advancement in the last you know 30 years has just been incredible and it's because one technology enables another and when it's open source you remove a lot of the friction you know for that to potentially happen because you know there's there's nothing holding back from using one technology to build another and i think that's really that that right there is is a huge selling point you know for for open source technology if i could just go down one last rabbit hole you kind of mentioned the 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 potential perils and pitfalls of volunteering your data as sort of currency for you know using this free software help us understand that cuz i think i think people hear a lot that that's generally maybe not great but we don't really it's hard to put our hands around exactly why you know like so they have my data you know yeah well so I would I would say that that it's not bad to to share data, but it should be up to you. It should be up to you to decide who you're sharing it with and what benefit that provides, you know. And so giving giving you the control to say, yes, I'll allow, you know, XYZ to to have these particular pieces of information, I think is a better approach because it, it just restores the power back to the to the to the people who are producing that that information. Yeah. And you mentioned in- incentives too. It makes, it, it would make sense to me that if the company makes their money off of getting your data, their incentive is to get more data from you, not necessarily to, you know, pr- to produce whatever result it is you want. Right. Right. So there, it, that, that kind of alignment I think breaks down. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mike, thanks so much. I, I know you're just mentioning, you know, time, time is, is the most important thing. So I want to be mindful <laughs> of your time. I really appreciate this. I want to send people to farmos.org as well as to farmier, F-A-R-M-I-E-R.com. Anywhere else, uh, you know, any other parting thoughts that you would share with the audience here? No, uh, come and join, come and join the community. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if this stuff interests you and you're listening close to when this episode was published in March 2020, you need to go apply to the Gathering for Open Agricultural Technology. That's the GOAT, Gathering for Open Agricultural Technology. It's happening June 7th through 10th, 2020, but you have to apply by March 14th. So go do that right now at gotech.org. That's G-O-A-T-E-C-H dot org. I'd also really encourage you to go check out what Mike is doing with several other partners over at Open Team, essentially using the FarmOS operating system to allow farmers to track their own sustainability metrics on their farms. Really cool stuff. So check that out. It's Open Team. Thanks to Mike Stenta, FarmOS, and Farmier for being on the show. If you're listening and you know of other cool stories of farmers solving their own problems through open source technology, let me know. I'm all about these grassroots ag tech efforts. I think it's fascinating stuff. Really appreciate your time and attention. I don't take it lightly. We'll be back next week with another interesting ag innovator. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week. Music.